Hello and welcome to another episode of the Half Court Press podcast, the Omaha World Herald. I'm Wilson Moore, uh, joined as always by John Walker. Uh, John, it's been a little bit since we've done this. I think we last did this on a Tuesday. It's now Thursday, if my uh, sense of day and time hasn't been completely (laughs) warped by uh, the past week or so by overtime games and deadlines and everything that comes (laughs) with it. But um, Yeah, man. Pretty eventful past week and a half for uh, the two... uh, uh, Division One, or I guess UNO too, but two of the college basketball teams in the state of Nebraska. Yeah, it's been, would you say, interesting? To say that, the least, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's one way to put it. We there, there are quite a few other adjectives, you know, you could you could use for sure. Um, I think Wilson and I were just what we've had four games between. Nebraska and Creighton over the past few weeks. Um, and it's been like four losses or something like that. Four or five losses, um, I think, is is what it is. So, brutal hoops going on in the state right now. How, <laughs> yeah. many, how many overtime games? Nebraska had two. Did Creighton have Nebraska one or had two? two? Creighton had one and another that was a that took uh, took 20, 27 minutes to play the final 49 seconds. So, you know, it was for whatever that's worth. It was one of those. Um, so not quite over time, but you might as well have just played another five. Um, so, yeah, tight deadlines, good hoops, and quite a few losses around this neck of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 when, so re, recap me with Nebraska because it's been an interesting couple of weeks for them. Have the blowout loss at Maryland in a game that, you know, we kind of thought – when you looked at that next four game stretch, they probably needed to have. And yeah. then, oh, they don't, you know, they get clobbered at Maryland and boom, they have a pretty resounding response the next time out against Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, it's been the story of this team season, hasn't it? It's a <laughs> ugly. Ugly, ugly loss on the road um, that I think I would argue that Maryland game is the worst Nebraska has played this season. I think that was their worst 40 minutes of basketball that we've seen this year. Yeah, Um, yeah. And then comes back, gets down 19 early to Wisconsin, it's 15 or 16 at at halftime, and flips the switch. C.J. Wilcher caught fire. it was kind of like the uh, Purdue game for me and that there are a million just little, uh, you know, little moments that stand out in my mind. Yeah. Rink mast hitting a step back three-pointer three, three pointer to tie it with about a minute left. Um, just, man, the, it, this feels like a million years ago as I'm talking about it now. Yeah. It was a week ago today, I, yeah. And... Uh, That's um, nuts. But, yeah, just, I mean... I think I've said this maybe even on this podcast before, but the further into this season we get, the less I know and understand about the University of Nebraska men's basketball team. I mean, they just, that was, uh, I mean, and frankly that you can say that about college basketball as a whole, nothing ever makes sense in this, uh, in this sport, but just a, 
crazy win, uh, win uh, over Wisconsin. Um, a, a really one they really needed because you know, um, oh, uh, a week ago on the pod I said, um, you know, Nebraska two and two in that four game stretch that we'll get to the uh, um next few games in a bit, but two and two would put them in a really nice spot. Um, you know, looking ahead to the tournament and Nebraska didn't go two and two Nebraska won one and three, which is not the worst thing in the world, especially when you consider, you know, the quality of the opponents, they were on the road and how much Owen four would have been on the table. Um, you know, the, um, you know, the, the schedule, lightens up significantly for Nebraska at at this point. Uh they've got Michigan at home, followed by a week off, which I think is badly needed given how just uh gassed they looked at uh at Northwestern last night. And then Penn State at home. And you know, Nebraska still, you know, kind of controls its own destiny to make to make the NCAA tournament. And you know, um over the, to, but to do that over the next two weeks, uh, they they got to be Bachman Turner Overdrive, got taking care of business. That uh, um, it's where they stand where they stand now. You know, we can get to the uh, we can get to the uh last two of that brutal four game stretch, uh, a bit. But uh, John Creighton also had a pretty weird, strange week. I that was. I just used two of the same word there, but whatever. Well, that's okay. Yeah, I, I think yeah, you you had one for each game, which yeah, is, yeah. is is accurate because yeah, it's this Creighton has been an entirely different team than it was in the month of January, and it hasn't worked. <laughs> we we went through January seeing this team grinded out against Providence, against St. John's. In a triple overtime win at Seton Hall, they relied on their defense, which was, you know, one of metrically one of the best in the country. And they got just enough scoring from the big three. And we just kept saying, man, if they can get back on track offensively, you know, this is a team that held UConn to 62 points in stores and still lost by 14. Like that, that, that game was a perfect encapsulation of their month of January, I think. They have now scored 85-plus in five straight games, including the last two where they were, but they've given up 90-plus in the past two. Um, and that's the crazy thing. Gave up, gave up 99 in a one-point loss to Butler last Friday and, and gave up, what was it, 90, it was 91-87, last night in Rhode Island for the rematch with Providence. Um, so this team that was such a defensive juggernaut has all of a sudden let teams score a muck, essentially. Um, now, last Friday against Butler, that was just, I mean, that I, I don't know if, like Butler could have played anybody that night and they were not going to miss shots is, is what it felt like. Um, and Greg McDermott had even said after that game, you know, you look at the stat sheet, like offensively, we played well enough to win. And, and so that's the, the tough part is that they figured things out offensively. That's been on display last Friday, um, really over the past five games again, but, but last Friday, especially when they put up 98 
And then they had kind of scored at will again last night at uh, at the AMP and again still fell up short in overtime. So it's it's been a sticky situation. Um, you know, I can't say they're looking forward to rest because that they had six days of rest before the Butler game. And and now this is kind of where they stand. And and it isn't done because they get Xavier on Saturday and what will be, you know, another one of those kind of big East bubble teams just absolutely fighting for its life. And what a better way to do that than pick up a win over the number 19 team in the country. So, you know, Xavier is going to be jacked. Um, Providence was jacked last night, obviously. Um, that's kind of the gauntlet that that Creighton is trying to get through right now. Uh, but the Jays got to get back on track, man. First back-to-back losses since they opened conference play with two in a row. Yeah. So. Now, I haven't watched a whole lot of Creighton uh, recently because they seem to always play on the same night as Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. But um, I usually assume, like, <clears throat> like last night I, I knew that I was – it was like halfway through the first half, and I was like, "All right, where's Will? Where's Wilson's tweets?" Then Nebraska is playing. I was just like, assume, "Yeah, I just, I just assume at this point." Yeah, but I did watch that Butler game. It seemed to me, and I think uh, I think McDermott said something to this extent after the game, and you wrote wrote about it that uh, and I'm paraphrasing here that that's kind of the tone of a game that should favor Creighton, right? You know that Creighton says, "Okay, we're going to turn this into a sprint." Um, yep. we're gonna, you know, get back and forth, make shots. And if the other team can keep up, can keep pace and can make more three pointers, then you tip your cap to them. That's, that's kind of what this team made a killing off of throughout the non-con. Um, and then, you know, the big, you run into the big East, it's a little bit different style of basketball. They know you, um, I use downside very, very loosely here. That's the downside of having a coach long-term in a program is you get a feel for his tendencies, right? Like that's just kind of how it is. Um, and and so it was always going to be different or or we thought it could be different. And the Big East has proven that, that yeah, Creighton, you are not going to get a bunch of open looks from three. Um, and we're not just going to let you pick and roll us to death with Ryan Kaufbrenner. Um, and, and so teams have kind of worked around that basis. I really think it was a foundation laid by like Colorado State and UNLV um, back in the non-con, really. And Big East teams have kind of taken that and molded it to whatever fits their, you know, strategy on that night. Um, and it's, it's worked, man. Because, yeah, exactly right. You would think, you know, if you told me two months ago that Creighton was going to get an attract meet in every Big East basketball game, I'd say the Jays were top the league and undefeated right now. Um, Cause that's just the team they were through the first two months of the season. And then that, that strategy, that recipe is kind of all come unraveled at this point. And that's the sickening thing is that it looks like they've gotten back to being able to win and wanting to be in a track meet. And now the defense has just plummeted. Teams have hit tough shots. That was the case with Butler. I mean, and, and Providence did the same thing. But I think Stephen Ashworth had said, you know, before they hit the road and after the Butler game that we just had a few defensive laps. Like, we were resting. We were relaxing a bit too much. 
those positions are the difference in in these two losses. Yeah. I'll move on back to Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, because they <laughs> they it's it's crazy what these two teams are doing right now at the same time. Because it just feels it just feels too right. And it feels like this is a real turning point for both teams. February, beginning of February, we're approaching the middle of February. Um, we've got a month, a little over a month to Selection Sunday, five weeks, I think it is. Big, 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 big point midway through the conference schedule for both of these teams. And Creighton has struggled. Nebraska has struggled as well. Yeah. To Nebraska's credit, the Huskers played probably, I'm not even going to say probably, the Huskers played their best road game of the conference season at Illinois. Um, you know, they they hung tough with a really good Illinois team. Like, uh, yeah. you know, they Illinois was more impressive in person than uh, I had realized. You know, I've because you, you win. Know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, – yeah, man, even by Big Ten standards, that is a nondescript drive through basically all of Iowa and then into southern Illinois. Like that there's nothing out the window there. Um, but Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean I you know, Coleman Hawkins has been in this league for a while now, and this is the first time I've really realized what a just matchup nightmare he's turned into as a long athletic guy who can put it on the floor, but also uh, knock down jump shots. But Nebraska hung tough. That was not an, uh, that was a hard game, a game that could have easily gotten out of hand quickly, like so many other road games have, um, you know, where you, you see, we've seen it so many times this season where the other team goes on a run and goes up 10. And then three minutes later, that 10 point lead is up to 20. And um yeah. And yeah, home crowd behind them. That that's it. Nebraska didn't let that happen. They ended um, they ended the game on ended regulation on a on an eleven to one run. Um, came within about five seconds of winning. Which you know, if Nebraska if Nebraska doesn't take care of business down the stretch here and misses the tournament, like those five seconds in. Champaign, Illinois yeah. are going to keep Fred Hoiberg up at night. Like that, yeah. You know, when you think about the a team that so badly needs a good win away from Pinnacle Bank Arena and got that close to it again, you know, it would have been a quad one, another top 15 win, just how huge that would have been. But um uh Marcus Damask hit a free. Uh, got fouled, hit a free throw, sent into overtime, and um, Nebraska was just Nebraska was just out of gas by by then. Um, you know, it uh, it reminded me of like uh, like the movie Rocky. Like you know, they're they're into the twelfth round, and Rocky has just taken an absolute beating from Apollo Creed. R.I.P. Carl Weathers. Um, uh, Rocky has just taken an absolute beating. And he's somehow still like standing and still staying in, in the ring. That was Nebraska against Illinois. Illinois had the size advantage. Illinois was bigger and stronger. Yeah. They got to 
every rebound that was like just you know they were getting it felt like illinois was getting two three chances every time down the court and nebraska just you know just absorbed every shot hung in the uh the best it could casey tomanaga had his best game in a few weeks he heated up um it just didn't but uh illinois just had a little too much little too much juice a little too much firepower yeah, and that's that's going to be – that's what I was thinking as I was following along with that game. That that would be the one to keep Fred Hoiberg up at night. Thankfully for them, every te- no team is good on the road this year. Yeah. Like every team is – I was looking at it the other day because I wrote my <clears throat> preview for this week over that for Creighton since they have the road trip. I think the best road team in the country is like, uh, I think the best road country is like six and two on the road, like not not overwhelmingly good, you know, like not unbeatable. Um, which you know that's kind of college basketball this year, but that they that would have been massive. I think if they would have beat, you know, if they had wins over Purdue and Wisconsin at home, they had a win at Illinois. I think you're probably good, you know, barring a collapse down the down the stretch of the season. Um I think you're probably good. Not many teams would walk into selection Sunday and say, "Hey, here are these three wins <laughs> and yeah. you know, like, yeah, just not a lot of teams would. Um, that's, that's the tough one. But again, you know, it, you can kind of live with it. The fact that it's on the road and there's still a lot of basketball left yeah. to play. So we'll just kind of see how they have to take care of home court at this yeah. point. There's like not really an option yeah. um, with how they've played there, how they played on the road. They, they, it feels like you can only afford, I don't know how many more home games they have, um, but it can't be many, you know, four, five, four, max. Yeah. yeah. You you have to win all of those. Yeah. Um, have to, have to, have to, especially since you've already beaten Purdue and Wisconsin at home. Yeah. It, it feels like at least in the Big Ten, there isn't a team that you sh- that, that the Huskers shouldn't be able to beat in Lincoln. No. And those, those four games, um, if I'm not mistaken, are uh, – Michigan, Penn State, Minnesota, and Rutgers. Those are all so, four very winnable games. I mean, yeah. Michigan just beat Wisconsin. I mean, weird things happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> but with the way Michigan's season has gone and how Nebraska has played at home, they should win that. After that, it's Penn yeah. State with a week of rest. And then Minnesota and, Minnesota and Rutgers are both teams that uh, Nebraska had double-digit leads on away from home, so you got to figure, you know, playing the home court that favors them. It's a it's a light end to the uh, yeah. end of the, of the season for uh, for Nebraska because the away games are Ohio State, Michigan, and Indiana. Which I mean, look, that's, okay. not nothing is a given in the Big Ten, but those are given. Uh, considering what Nebraska's done this year, those are seven winnable games to, yeah. to end the season. Yeah. And, you know, and those, that's, that is so, those are so crucial because Nebraska has done enough that 
it's put itself in position that if it take that it it can that if it takes care of business, it's likely a tournament team, but it also hasn't done enough that if it, you know, if they drop one of those, if they, you know, if they're they're pretty close to being out of winnable games to lose, if that makes sense, you know? For sure. No, for sure. And and I think, you know, that's kind of where Creighton might be a little different because I think every win in the Big East this year is like marquee. I really, I really do. Um, which I think might hurt the league come selection Sunday because you're going to have a, I don't know, you're going to have a Providence, a St. John's that finishes above 500 in this league. But because UConn is the only clear cut favorite, maybe the Big East doesn't get the, you know, the, the, the nods on selection Sunday. I have no clue, but I, I do know that the stretch doesn't get any easier for Creighton. Um, again, they at Xavier, Georgetown in Omaha next Tuesday. That can be a uh, is my cat back there? Maybe I, I thought I think I I think I heard him. Um, we'll see if he pops in the back or yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, but it's not going to get any easier for for Creighton. You know, at Xavier Saturday, Georgetown in Omaha on Tuesday, and then. At Butler um, next Saturday. And that's right. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And then you close the regular season with UConn, St. John, Seton Hall, Marquette, and Villanova. That's, that's a gauntlet. That is. Yeah. And, and, and so that's why, you know, it kind of feels like these next, what, three, you have to, have to, have to win. You have to find a way to win at Xavier. Um, they'll beat Georgetown. Um, and if not, then I'll wear a clown nose on next week's episode. Um, and you that, have to that was be a nice bet considering the listeners can't see us. That was a good, uh, yeah, a yeah, yeah. yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, you have to win it, Butler, man. You have to win it, Butler. Otherwise, I think you, you kind of somebody in it, uh, I got a pretty lengthy email last night post midnight um Uh, that's that's never good yeah 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 um nothing nothing with me or the world herald (laughs) thankfully uh but just just kind of a a a long time Creighton fan expressing how they view the jays right now and and we're curious how i view the jays with you know a month to go in the regular season um he asked me if i thought they were still a tournament team yeah I, i think i think creighton's regarded respected well enough nationally and i think the big east is respected enough nationally to where you know again barring a collapse which who knows with those five games to end the regular season i i guess you know if you go two and three in those somehow you know i I don't know but i think they're still a tournament team at the moment now a week ago we were thinking they would be a three seed is that going to happen no probably not um, not unless you you run the table in those last five games and and don't lose to Georgetown, you know. But I still think they're a tournament team. Um, I still think Nebraska is a tournament team, to be honest with you. Um, you say seven left, yeah, seven left. Seven left yeah. If you get if you get four in a win in Minneapolis, yeah, you're probably good. Yeah. You would think, 
Yeah, I've been uh and look, I'm not I'm not a bracketologist, which by the way, quick aside, I got to thinking this last night. What do you think Joe Lenardi tells people he does for a living? Like when they ask, <laughs> do you think he says I'm a bracketologist? Like and there's do they no know way, what that means? No I've so I had so many questions after seeing a graphic on TV last night. But or like um, like, um yeah, what if you you know, Dad, could you come to like I don't know, career day? Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, for sure. And like, he steps in the front of the class. He goes, "Yeah, I'm a bracketologist." Like, what, 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 is like, what does his LinkedIn <laughs> say? <laughs> does he does he have a LinkedIn? Is that a thing? I don't know. He's probably too famous and powerful to have a LinkedIn. But anyway, yeah, um, if, you, if you search Joe Lenardi LinkedIn, it it pops up um, Joseph Lenardi, the, the associate vice president of marketing at St. Joseph okay. University. I don't so, think that's him. Yeah. Someday we'll find out. But um, his last projection from I saw had Nebraska as a 10 seed, um, 10 or 11, and um, which I think feels about right. Yeah. For, for right now and i've i've been and my point is i am not joe lenardi i i'm not an expert in those sorts of things but i have been of the uh mind that 11 wins in big 10 uh probably puts nebraska in a pretty decent spot just because um you know they played a very light non-conference schedule that is a not right them. but i think when you have you know when you've got two top 10 wins, I think that counteracts that a little bit, you know, just because part of the pitfalls of a, of an easy non-conference schedule is you don't have opportunities to, you know, get those resume building wins, but Nebraska has taken advantage of the opportunities they've had. So I think that, I think that balances out a little bit, but yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, four or five wins to end the, uh, regular season, yeah, four to end the regular season, and then one in Minneapolis. I think Nebraska's feeling pretty good at that point. I think, uh, yeah, you know, with, with what they've done, they're always they're going to be probably sweating out selection someday, and there are a lot of factors into that, both with a uh, you know a team that probably you know left a couple wins on the table, and just a fan base that, as I've learned in my first year on this beat, as been conditioned to expect the worst at all times um yeah um that's brutal <laughs> no i yeah i think the same thing i i, I would like to consider myself a, a bubble aficionado okay I because like covering oklahoma state last year they spent the entire season on the bubble um so we got to the last two weeks of the regular season and it was like, okay, you have to win this game and this game and this game, and you can't lose here. And you got to win two at the big 12 tournament. And then, and maybe then it's good enough to get in. And they were the first team out of the tournament last year. Uh, so I did count. Yeah. I did countless resume comparisons bubble bursting bubble blowing you know what whatever i'm a bubble aficionado at this point I, so i all that to say i think i think nebraska's good with four and a win and you're you're in a you're in a good you're covering a good conference for that with uh butler and providence and the big the big east is living yeah. on the bubble right now oh my yeah you have i mean you have your you know, I think your locks at this point are probably going to be UConn, Marquette, Creighton, Seton Hall. 
I think those are probably fair. Seton Hall had a weak non-con, but they've really, really, really made some noise in the Big East. Um, yeah. Everyone else, aside from DePaul and Georgetown, welcome to life on the bubble for the next month. Essentially. Yeah, I don't – and what? You've got uh, quite a few of those coming up if you're Creighton. Starting with Xavier, obviously. And then, yeah, Butler, St. John, Seton Hall, Villanova. Um, they will all be fighting for their tournament life when when Creighton gets them for a second time. Yeah. So, we'll see. So will Creighton, maybe. Yeah. Have we have we discussed the games Nebraska and Creighton played just last night, like 12 hours ago? Uh, not in depth. Yeah. We can fly through those real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Nebraska went into uh, uh, went in Northwestern. Uh, spent a lot of the night looking like the team that had played all of its previous road games uh, outside of Illinois. Um, hit some shots, <laughs> hung, hung in there. Um, but I mean, they just they couldn't get stops. Uh, Northwestern's offense was really good, just moving the ball, getting open shots. Boo Booey was Boo Booey after he wasn't Boo Booey so the first good. time they played. Yeah, like I mean, seeing him in person, he didn't he didn't even play very well when they were in Lincoln, but you get a sense of just like how well he uses like a defender's momentum, how yep. good he is at catching a guy just leaning ever so slightly one way and going and driving the, to the other side. Oh, yeah, but Nebraska looked just gassed last night. Um, you know, it's been you know, four games in about 12 days. That's a that's a rough stretch. And I think especially two of them going into overtime, just those are those were mentally, physically taxing games they played against Wisconsin and Illinois. And um, like I said, when uh, Nebraska looked out of gas in overtime against Illinois, they just looked like the, you know, the legs just looked like they weren't quite there. Um, yeah against a Northwestern team that's really good at home and you need to, you know, you've got to have, you got to have everything to beat uh, Northwestern at Welsh Ryan Arena. Well, do you, how big of, I saw, I'll back up a second. Northwestern is another one of these funky teams too. You know, yeah. Beat They're Purdue. in Nebraska. Yeah, beat Purdue, lose to Maryland, you know, maybe hanging there with Wisconsin beat Illinois like you you never really know what you're getting from Northwestern how big would last night's win have been kind of just like I guess in a vacuum bubble stuff aside for for Nebraska like would that would that have been a a big big win for you um in in that moment it would have it would have been a big win for Nebraska um just you know because um you know it's the it it's part of the season where you want to, you know, you want to just stack wins, you know, and um, Northwestern's probably a tournament team and just every, you know, every quad one, quad two, that would have been quad one last night. Um, yeah. Just win, just kind of put, you know, moves the needle a little more. Um, so yeah, it would, it would have proven Nebraska can win away from Pinnacle Bank Arena, which it has not yet done in conference play. Um, so yeah, it would have been big. It would have, it also would have given uh, Nebraska a real inside track um, on the double buy um, for yeah. the uh, for the Big Ten tournament. Um, 
Purdue, Illinois, and I guess Wisconsin, even after losing three straight, you know, we'll see how they uh, recover, but you figure those are the top three seeds. There's what, so there's one remain uh, remaining um, Minnesota of all teams currently holds that four seed, which is a little insane. Um, they probably have the tiebreaker all over like all those middle cluster teams. Huh? Yeah. They, they just beat Michigan state the other night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They beat, yeah, they have wins over Michigan state, Northwestern and Nebraska just beat, uh, beat Michigan state, beat Northwestern. Yeah in overtime yeah so it but on any of those four teams have you know are gonna have a shot at it over the last uh or the last couple of weeks of the season a win there would have given nebraska the series win over northwestern they would have been two and oh so yeah that last, last night was big um i th- still yeah. think uh it was kind of to a certain extent nebraska playing with house money just because again they were not expected to win that game but it would have been a nice uh would have been a nice little resume builder if they could have gotten it, but it was just, you know, they just, um, uh, Northwestern played too well. Nebraska didn't, Nebraska wasn't at its best. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't know. That's the tough part for Creighton because they played so well. I guess you could say they weren't at their best, def- you know, defense considered, but that's, it. it's such, I don't know. It it just feels like a heartbreaker, and I know that that use that gets used to describe losses pretty often. But how they've dropped these last two games, you come up a point shy at Butler and say, "Man, we we should have won." You know, on any other night, we probably would have won. Um, you think, man, okay, we're gonna go to Providence. We haven't won there since January twenty one. Um, you know, Trey Alexander is winless there to put that in perspective. And so you're thinking, okay, got to have it in the worst of ways. You almost had it on Friday. Um, and, and here we go. And then they didn't. And I think what shocked me the most was for the first time, probably since UNLV, somebody just really, really, really took it to Ryan Kalkbrenner. And give credit to Josh Oduro, man. Um, you know, it worked well in the first matchup. Friars had just lost Bryce Hopkins. Um, or Oduro hadn't quite settled into his new role, nor had anybody on Providence. And I think he had like nine points, three boards in the first meeting. He had 32 and 12 last night. Um, I think that, you know, you had mentioned the small things that just get lost in these games. It hit me early when Josh Oduro cashed one from like 30 or like 27 feet. And then they pulled Ryan Kalkbrenner out of the paint the next time he popped out. I was like, that's not good for Creighton. Because um, the whole thing is they're going to run you off the three-point line, funnel you in, force you to take a mid-range jumper. And if you want to try to drive to the bucket, they've got a seven-foot-one center who just so happens to be a two-time defensive player of the year in the big east so you know it, it usually works most nights um but josh oduro again kind of disrupted that early um and then devin carter might i get scolded for saying very 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 strong candidate for big east player of the year very strong candidate um what he's done to step up 
uh, with Bryce Hopkins out has just been maniacal. It's been ridiculous. And and Creighton kind of got a firsthand account to that last night. He had 28, I think, hit a big, big, big three from Quahog, uh, Rhode Island. You get the reference. Is that a good reference? Family guy? Okay, yeah, I, I... – Okay, it took a okay. second for it to for it okay, to hit, but yeah, okay. I, I got it. I tweeted it last night. Nobody caught it, and I was that's, like, "Man, that's uh, tough, disappointing, disappointingly <laughs> uncultured from your Twitter followers." <laughs> he 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 hit one from the Griffin's residence, and the the place went nuts. Obviously, and I think that was to force overtime, and then in overtime he had another one in the corner over defender's arm, like right, it, it, just shots you don't make every day. And that was the type of, it, it, type of night it was for Providence. And that, that, that was probably the crazy thing is that, and the Jays put up 85 plus again, and it wasn't enough. Um, and I think that's kind of been the microcosm of these past two games. Obviously against Butler, it was just tough shot after tough shot. And credit to Butler, um, but it was how how Providence beat the Jays last night. So in such a stark difference from the first matchup, and probably the first time in a long, long time that somebody's taken it right at and and had success with taking it right at Ryan Kalkbrenner. Um, and then they they knew that that Devin Carter was probably going to get going, but then they still weathered that storm until they just kept turning it over. Um, got out in transition, pick sixes, bang. You know, that's that's kind of it. Those are the things that that kept Providence in it, in ahead once Providence got ahead. Um, and then I think we all kind of saw in overtime why it is so hard to win in that environment because the slightest bucket sent that place ablaze. Uh, so... Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know. That's I, I do know that the Jays have figured it out on offense at a price for their defense, question mark. And that's the thing to monitor from them at Xavier. Can this team, after two excruciating losses, one at home, one on the road, can they, can they do the same recipe again? Can you put up 85-plus in Cincinnati? And can, for the first time, since, I don't know. I don't count the Paul, if I'm being honest. For the first time since the UConn game, can you play some damn defense? Um, that that's it, it. That's really what it boils down to for me. That's what I want to see from Creighton on Saturday. No, that was a John. That was a great way to kind of send us into the end of this because that really felt like you know, can they play some defense? Find out next time. On the Half Court Press podcast, if you have not just watched the games or read anything or yeah, anything, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this has been the Half Court Press podcast. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.